Parsons, you're listening to No Names All Game. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of No Names All Game. Today is Tuesday, September 14th. Your Nittany Lions are 2-0 after a big 44-13 win over the Ball State Cardinals at home, getting the 300th win in Beaver Stadium and moving up to number 10 in the AP poll. My name is Chris Hankin, joined as always by my co-host Pat Calicchio, who currently is rocking a Penn State polo, a Penn State visor. Looks like he could be on the sideline as a coach. Coach Pat, how are you feeling? I'm pretty good now out there, Chris. You know, uh, guys doing what they got to do today. Uh, you know, good offense, good defense, got to take care of business. You know, keep it rolling in the second half. Yeah, and Coach, how important was it to get your guys going early? I hate those questions, but how important <laughs> was it? Of course it was important, man. Um, yeah, we're a little delayed, as usual. Uh, again, I always say this. We're going to be on time. We're going to get things together, uh, get these out early. Blame Spectrum Internet. They have been killing me. My Internet's been awful. I think we're good to go now, hopefully, finally. Um, but this is a nice, comfortable, easy, kind of boring win. Um, we'll get into awards in a minute. But, Pat, what was your overall feel on this game? Um, felt like we did what we had to do. It wasn't flashy. Um, there were some things I didn't love, but you know this is this was not a team of bums in Ball State. This is a good MAC team, and we took care of business. We covered the spread, came in just in the under. Yeah, and uh, you know overall good game. Yeah, I was. I mean, I was dogging them all week. You know, they are the they are the MAC champions of last year. Um, I, I still think it's a game you should dominate, and we did forty four to thirteen. Um, for the most part, we looked very sound in all phases of the game. Uh, like you said, there are some things like as I was going through and doing notes for this, there are some nitpicky things that I'd like to see a little bit better. But in general, that's what you expect when you play a, a lesser team. So uh, let's get into our awards. We'll start, as we always do, with the Lion. The Lion is the MVP of the week. Who is your Lion this week? I'm going with Jesse Lucada, man. And first of all, anytime you score a defensive touchdown, you're going to be in the running. Defensive touchdown, couple of tackles, making the adjustment to a new position. I think he played two positions in this game, right? Because he started as a linebacker, filling for Ellis Brooks, and then moved over to defensive end uh, once he came back in the second half. Uh, you know, the guy, he's a veteran, dealing with a position change this late in his career, doesn't complain about it, takes it the best he can, and like quite literally makes the best of it in this game. Yeah, I actually had the same, so I'll switch it up in a minute. But um, but yeah, it's it's a game where like no one no one really had like a completely like earth shattering performance on paper. Like when you look at the stats, no one really lit it up. Everyone kind of did enough, and and it amounts to a, a good victory. Um, but yeah, I, I think with Lucetta, it's he's that guy where like. You, you look at him, you're like, he's, he's always been a little bit under the radar. He's always been like the next guy up, but will it happen? And will it happen? And we're seeing it happen. Um, there were some good articles and, and interviews with him, you know, talking about how he was at uh, draft night with Mike Parsons watching Mike get drafted. And, you know, in his mind, he was like, all right, my time, I'm next. Uh, and he's making the most of that opportunity. You know, we'll have to see how the season plays out, see where he projects and what he'll look like in that draft. But um, I think he's showing that versatility. He's playing He's playing a good defensive end. Um, that that play where he had the interception was was honestly just beautiful from start to finish. He goes, goes for the pass rush. It's not happening. He actually drops back into coverage and then just sticks the hand out. I tweeted out. He looked like, uh, uh, was it Orlando Franklin in um, 
the replacements. replacements. <laughs> Coach, I looked like I just jacked off an elephant <laughs> with a <laughs> stick on his hands. Um, but that's got to be such a good feeling for a guy who's, you know, put in the work, was a backup, was splitting time, and now is coming into his own. So, um, you know what? I agree. I'm just going to give it to Jesse as well. I was going to pick someone well, else, but we've got other awards for that. Jesse, look first at it. double lion of all time. You are, you are the first unanimous lion in this show's history. All right, let's move on to general awards. Uh, I think I have two, maybe three of them. Uh, so let's start with yours. What do you got for your first award of the night? First award, I'm going with the uh, Barry Allen Award. Barry Allen is the Flash. Yes, he is. Okay, so this goes to someone who's fast, someone who's speedy. Hit me. Who is it? Not what you think. It's going to Sean Clifford. Ah, okay. Sean Clifford is showing me flashes of what it's going to need to be a championship quarterback. Okay, I like that. There was, you know... Couple of bad throws here and there, a couple times thrown off the back foot. Didn't love that. But 21 for 29, that's the kind of completion percentage we're looking for. 230 yards, one touchdown, ran one in. You gotta like that. Uh, and that throw to Kevon Lee was absolutely beautiful. I mean, to me, that was the play, other than like Jesse Lucado with defensive touchdown. Offensively, that was the play of the game, man. Like that, those are the throws that we've been wanting Sean Clifford to make. For three years. Yeah, it was his, his best ball of the day. And, and it, it, was, it was a play where he, he recognized it early, knew that he was going to have that opportunity and put the ball exactly where it needed to be. Um, I have in some of my notes, there, it, it, I wrote this down. I said, Cliff, uh, good, not great still, but better than what I thought he was going to be. Yeah. And I, I think I agreed. I, I like where you're going with the flashes because he's doing exactly what I asked. In the offseason, all I said was, I just wanted to manage the game, not turn the ball over, be a little bit more accurate, complete more passes. And he's doing that, but now I find myself wanting more. It's like, I'm being greedy, being greedy. Um, but I agree. It was, it was overall a good performance. You know, he had, had a couple plays on the ground. He had that one big run. It was 40-something yards. Um, I, I want more. I want, I want to see him take that next step, but he has flashes of greatness. I like that. All right, uh, my first award is <clears throat> I came in like a wrecking ball. Please excuse my excuse my voice. I think that was actually not bad. I, I think I have a decent set of pipes there. Um, hold your hold your comments because I know I don't. Uh, but who do you think the I came in like a wrecking ball award goes to? Gotta be Arnold Epichetti. Not quite. I'm going <sighs> other side of the other side of the ball. This one goes to Kevon Lee. Uh, he was a wrecking ball as a runner in this game. You just talked about uh, the nice wheel route that Cliff hit him on. was was a huge, huge play. Um, Cliff's best throw of the day, but for him to run that route, run the wheel, get open was nice. Um, but he finished this day. You know, we, we know we know Kane is is the guy, right? He is that number one, but we have that rotation. Kane had 20 carries for 69 yards. That's an average of three and a half. He was just kind of ground and pounding. You know, he had a couple of nice runs, but, but you know, there not weren't bad, the not big great. games. Yeah, there weren't the big games. Uh, and then, you know, Kevon Leith early in the third quarter came in and there was a stretch of, I think, four plays in a row where he was just banging them out 10, 12 yards a clip. Uh, and it actually reminded me of Noah Kane in that Iowa game two years ago where everyone fell in love with him, where he was just bang, 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 just wrecking through the defense. Uh, what I liked the most about this sort of set with Kevon Lee, eight rushes, 68 yards, good for eight and a half a clip. Uh, he, he was just decisive. 
Um, I think there were two plays where he was doing a little dancing around the line of scrimmage and I didn't love it. But when he got going, he was seeing the hole, hitting it and coming through like a fucking wrecking ball. And that's what we need out of these running backs. We need that downhill running, see the hole, hit the gap, get those chunk plays, make it easier for Cliff when he is throwing. And I think Kevon Lee did an awesome job of that. So he is my, I came in like a wrecking ball player of the week. I like it. Next award, Pat, what do you got? Next award, I'm going with the Johnny Sack Award. Johnny Sack, okay. Johnny Sack. Uh, does it have to do with actual defensive sacks? It does not. Well, I was going to say, we, way, only had, way, we only have one. In a way, it does. In okay. a way, it does. Tell me, what do you got? Chris, do you ever watch The Sopranos? I actually have not. It's on my okay. list. Please don't crucify me. I know you're a Jersey guy. Um, I need to get into it. He's a great character, head of the New York mob. John Sacramoni, a.k.a. Johnny Sack. And there, there's this episode where uh, he, he's got a rather overweight wife, and guys are making fun of his wife behind his back, and he finds out. So he starts getting all sensitive about it. And he comes home one day and finds out she's secretly snacking on all this candy when she's been saying that she's dieting. Okay. And he has this line where he goes, you know what you've done? You lied to me! <laughs> <laughs> okay. So who does this award go to? The entire offensive line. <laughs> yeah because they've lied to me i was to i was told that it, this was this was gonna be the year that the offensive line was our strength and then first game of the season two sacks i can live with that but 50 yards on the ground i really can't and then you get sacked three times by ball state you in fact get out sacked by ball state and that is just embarrassing yeah uh johnny sack you lied to me i like i like where you went with that one um i agree i i have in my notes as well like they they are underwhelming at this point where uh three sacks one of them was on roberson so that's probably a you know you got second and third stringers in there um so, so maybe maybe give some a free pass on that one but still there were two sacks on clifford one of them was with I mean, it was a four-man rush, but it was basically a three-man. They started with three and then sent to fourth, and it, I mean, we just got beat. Um, I think we've been critical on Clifford in the past of, like, holding the ball too long, being indecisive, maybe creating some of those sacks for himself. Um, but, but, yeah, I agree, man. This, this offensive line, I, I, hope, I hope we're picking it up and we get better as the season goes, but it's been underwhelming so far. And you're the next um, award, Chris. Yeah, I got another one. I was, I was trying not to dwell on the negative there, so I actually do have a positive one. That's another um, positive. This is the uh, – I don't know how to phrase it. I just really appreciate you, man. Hmm. I don't have the words, but I really just appreciate you, man. Any guesses? Hmm. It's a player, not coaching staff, right? It is a player. It is a player. Okay. It's a defensive player. Defensive player. Hmm. I mean, it, it could be so many guys. It could be Ellis Brooks. It could be Curtis Jacobs, only sack of the game. It could be a lot of guys, but it's going to be Daquan Hardy. Okay. I just really like this guy. And I was trying to put my finger on, like, how do I articulate it? What are the words that I say to, like, show what I like about him? And I tweeted out during games, like, I really like Daquan Hardy. Um, he has really come into his own as 
the nickel corner as sort of our third corner um, in a year when we looked at depth and we were like, okay, we have Heat Nellis, we have Marquise Wilson, and then those guys both kind of get flushed out to other positions. We're like, okay, we have Kalen King, the rookie, who's going to come in and, and play, and, and he has. Um, but Daquan Hardy's a guy that I think has just gone – underappreciated he came in as a three-star player he was a very late add to that recruiting class um, I think it was like a week before signing day maybe even closer um, and he's just played really well in his positions this year I was actually reading in one article he actually does get announced as a starter in that in that star position that we used to have as like uh, on the depth chart um, so in the Wisconsin game he had a really nice pass deflection that I clipped the video and put out on Twitter that I thought was just it just kind of made me excited I was like wow that's that's noticeably a really good play. Uh, and then he comes away with an interception in this one. Uh, it was a nice play. He actually, you know, it, it came into one of those situations where he became the receiver, the, the D-back was trying to, or the receiver became the D-back trying to swat away and went up, high-pointed the ball and came away with it. So I think he's just an asset for this defense. You know, we've been saying this defense looks very good. Pass coverage looks better than it has been. Um, and I think he's a big part of that. So I don't know how to articulate it, but Daquan Hardy, I just really appreciate you, man. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, you got any others? I think that's all I had. That's all the awards I got for today. All right. Good awards. Good awards. Uh, team earned it 44, 44 to 13 win. Again, we're, we're going to nitpick a little bit, but it's a, it's a win. So, um, we talked through cliff already. We'll go through some topics. Now we talked through cliff already. Um, I, I think the one thing that's, that's killing me a little bit, um, is the timing still not there. Um, especially on some of the deep throws. Um, he overthrew Keandre Lambert-Smith in the end zone. Uh, would have been tough. Would have been a contested catch, but but didn't even really give him an opportunity to go up and get it. Uh, Underthrew Dotson uh, down the middle on what probably could have been a touchdown if he leads him. Um, missed Kane open in the flat uh, at one point. So, again, we're nitpicking. He was, what, 21 for 29, like you said. Um, but but it doesn't seem to be fully there. What's your, what's your hope for Clifford going forward, and, and what do you want to build on from these first two games? Yeah, I mean, so this is sort of what all the Sean Clifford skeptics said, like, man, if Sean Clifford could only do this, I'd be okay. He's already done. Yeah. So I have to imagine it's only going to, like, he's going to improve. And we've already shown improvement from last season. He's managed games. He's put up some yards. He's made a couple of big throws. And he hasn't turned the ball over. Man, just keep doing that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the ball play, security is huge. If this is his floor, I'm thrilled. Agreed. Agreed. I think the ball security has been huge. Um, it was nice to see him, like I mentioned before, it was nice to see him get that big gain on the ground. I think he has done a, a bit of a better job of sitting in the pocket and not, not being scared and taking off right away. Um, Absolutely. There are times, like I said, he probably holds it a little too long and maybe needs to get, get rid of it a little bit quicker. But, but those things will come. Um, so I think when we look at the game plan for this game, like you mentioned, it was, it was kind of, you know, I don't want to say lackluster. We put up 44 points, but it just felt very, like, kind of safe. Um, and I think that's what Yersich was going for. Yeah, you got the feeling that, like, they got the big lead and they just sort of put it in cruise control because they could. Not like, you know, not, not like some, the way Franklin has been accused of in some big moments putting in cruise control, but like, hey, second game of the season, we have the huge lead, we have the talent gap, let's not expose the playbook. Right. Let's not right. show and all the wrinkles, let's not give any scouting material, let's just ease it on in. 
Yeah, and I think even in doing that, he's still getting a lot of different formations, a lot of different looks, and, and allowing Clifford to get comfortable with a lot of things. Um, you know, there's a lot of underneath work. We're still we're still hitting a lot of these quick screens right at the line of scrimmage. Um, Jahan scored on one this week. Uh, Parker Washington had one. Tight end had one. Um, we're hitting the running backs in the flats. We're, we're, we hit 10 different receivers, uh, I think, before halftime was even open, uh, including three running backs. So he's distributing the ball. He's getting guys in space. He's giving – playmakers an opportunity to to go and get the yards um, which I think is is helping Clifford now I think eventually Clifford then needs to step up and be able to hit those deeper passes and then kind of capitalize on on when we're killing them with some of the short game um, but that'll come so I think my only my only real issue or concern or takeaway was we we're only six for 13 on third down um, would like to see that a little bit higher but all in all we are such had a plan executed it got a big lead early and and you know put the pressure on ball state which we knew they weren't going to be able to you know come back from from a big lead yeah well said um what else what else uh we kind of already talked about the o-line already um d-line uh d-line was a little disappointing in this game too i think um you know, there wasn't a ton of pressure up front. Uh, the only sack that we had was actually Curtis Jacobs blitzing and he was completely untouched. Um, very nice on the run D though. 69 yards total. Nice uh, for 2.7 yards per carry. So I think there, there's mixed results there. Um, I, I don't have a ton. I don't have a ton to add there other than I would have liked to see more. I would have liked to see us pressuring because um, we're going to need that in, you know, the next game here in Auburn. But um, the run defense still is, is very nice to see. Yeah, I mean, this was a got-the-job-done kind of game from the defense. Um, you know, first stringers held me set, uh, six points. That's great. You love that. 21 first downs from Ball State. I don't love that. I thought that seemed a bit high. Um, kind of like close to 30 minutes of possession for them. They had like 26 and a half minutes. Um, third down was great. Four for 16. You got to love that. I felt like they ran the ball more successfully, but they ran it for less than 70 yards. So can't be upset there. But yeah, like the, the big thing that sticks out was we didn't feel dominant in terms of like, we weren't pressuring the quarterback all day. The one sack against a team we're supposed to be much better than. And even a team we outscore badly, you'd like to see a little bit more from the D line there. Yeah, exactly. But in again, it's, you know, it, it, it's one where, We'll, we'll chalk it up to it's nitpicking. It was a good game. It's a good win. Um, I can't really complain on that one. Um, other than that, I don't, I don't think there's really a whole lot to talk about. Uh, Stout continues to do well in punting duties. Um, he's sec- I think he's second in the nation right now in average punts um, distance. It's great. Uh, field goals, one, I think it was one for two, hit a 45 or missed a 46er. So yeah. but you, can you don't love to see it, but. It happens. It's college football kickers. Yeah. Um, all Listen, in all, like I said, this is a well-rounded 45 game. in college football. That is sort of a 50-50 ball right there. I yeah. can live with that. Yeah. And I mean, he's still a touchback machine, so um, can't complain there. Um, I think that's really all I got for this game. What else you got? Um, yeah, this was, like you kind of mentioned, no real stat monsters in this game. Uh, it was sort of, it was so spread out. There was no one who really stood out. I mean, we had like, what, five guys with multiple receptions. I was actually really happy to see Noah Kane getting involved in the passing game. Three receptions yeah. for 10 yards apiece. I'm very happy with that. Um, 
because I haven't it's been you know it's been slightly tough going in the first game but I haven't loved his running efficiency so far uh and I didn't envision him as a big part of the passing game I always saw him as more of a running back so I'm, I'm happy to see him getting you know finding and not just him but also Yursich finding different ways to involve him only thing I'm a little just disappointed with in the uh, the Yersich scheme so far, lack of tight end usage. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, we're not really seeing a whole lot. We're seeing a lot of multiple tight end formations, um, but we haven't seen a ton of actual getting them involved in the pass game. Uh, I agree with the running backs. Like I said, all three, um, save for Kazai Holmes, all three had receptions. Kevon Lee with the wheel. Um, Devin Ford had one. I think that was almost a touchdown um, in, a, in a dump off. And, and same with Kane. You know, that some of those 10-yard receptions were dumping it off to him one yard over the line of scrimmage and letting him do what he does in open space. So I think that's a credit to your and what he's doing. Um, Cause we're seeing it with the receivers too. Like I mentioned, you know, John touchdown comes on the screen. Parker uh, had a screen. Parker had a couple of really nice catches over the middle too. A um, couple of that, that were more difficult than they looked. He made them look easy. Um, but, but we haven't seen either tight end really emerge. Um, Theo Johnson caught the, t- uh, caught the touchdown from Roberson at the end in garbage time. That was nice to see. Um, a nice ball by Roberson. He only threw two passes, but one of them was for a touchdown. Um, I, I, I wonder how much of that is, uh, again, you know, working out the playbook, getting things developed versus, you know, are they not playing to their ability? I have to think it's more former. Um, because, again, when, you know, when we're getting the ball in the hands, when they're getting open, I think I think the tight ends are capable of being a big part of this offense. So maybe we'll see more of that in Auburn. Yeah, just not a lot of targets for him. I mean, each of them had two in this game. It was two and one in, against Wisconsin, with neither of them coming down for reception. Um, and, you know, I think moving forward, they're going to be a part of this offense that's important. Like, they should be a part of this offense that's important. They're both physical freaks. Um, who can create mismatches. I'd, I'd like to see them getting a little more involved. Yeah. And I think you will. And I think a lot of that comes down to just, um, you know, we don't, we don't necessarily have a Gasicki or a Friar Muth where it's a bona fide stud superstar right now. Not that we know of at least. Um, and, and we do have the talent at other positions, right? We, we want to feed the ball to Jahan and Parker and Noah Kane and Kevon. So I, I get it. I think that, I think a lot of that is just building out the playbook, building out the scheme. Um, and, and I think we'll see more of that going forward, but Overall, got to be happy here. 44-13, Yersic is, is doing what we expected him to do of, of stretching the field, getting guys in space, uh, making it easier on Clifford for him to make decisions. Uh, and overall, we're 2-0, we're man. We're 2-0, number 10 team in country. We got Auburn coming to town this weekend for the wideout. Um, anything else for Ball State before we wrap this one up? Um, should we get into the coaching hire talks? Oh, all right. Fans, if you're listening to this, uh, we are actually going to be recording two episodes tonight. So yeah, let's get into it. Uh, we're recording, we're recording this preview and then we'll get into, uh, or this recap and we'll get into Auburn preview for later in the week. Um, but yeah, let's talk. Uh, USC uh, is once again open. Clay Hilton has been fired and one of the top names attached to the job is coach James Franklin. Um, when asked about it in his press conference today, he said, I cannot stand to have any sort of distraction. Uh, I will handle this with the leadership council. Uh, we'll keep our focus on Auburn. So Pat, what do you think? Is he going to USC? Um, here's the thing. I don't think he's going to USC, but I am worried that he is going to USC. For really? Sure. Um, why? Yeah, I'm, first of all, like 
they, I mean, maybe it's just because they need news, but like he is the like by far the top name attached to every article, every segment on ESPN. And he, he just and I I get that he's not going to dismiss it out of hand because it can give get him a raise. But I would have liked if he dismissed it out of hand, and he didn't. Um, yeah. And so now I'm just nervous. And what what makes me feel good though is the advantages that SC has over Penn State. I think are mostly minor, whereas the advantages that Penn State has over SC I think are mostly large. Yeah, so I'll, I'll say I'm on the complete opposite side. I'm not worried at all. Um, I don't think there's a chance that he leaves. I think for a couple of reasons. One, I think he is just so ingrained in this school, this community. It's close to where he's from, to where his family is. Like, I, I think he really does want to be here. Um, and I know money trumps all. I know opportunity trumps all. It doesn't matter if he lives in central Pennsylvania or beautiful L.A., um, you know, he's going to, he's going to do what's best for his career, but I just, I don't see it happening. Um, this is the same conversation we had a couple of years ago when his name was linked to it. Um, I think there's a couple of things. One, if he wanted the job by now, he would have had it. Like, I, I think if he made it, I think if he made it clear that he wanted it, they would have moved on from Clea Helton and hired him immediately. Um, I don't know how all the inner workings of that go behind the scene, but I think that would have happened. Um, the advantages, I get the advantages. Uh, you know, SoCal is a, recruiting hotbed ton of talent comes from Los Angeles and he could dominate there. Um, but that being said, like a lot of the top kids in LA like going to the big name programs outside of LA, right? That's, that's why it's been difficult for, for these teams to keep talent home because they, they like going somewhere else and being a superstar. Um, so I think I get the recruiting piece, but I think, I think he's doing, he's doing so well with recruiting right now, especially this past year. Like, why give up on that momentum? I don't, I wouldn't, I don't really understand that. Um, and then the other argument is, you know, it's an easier path to championships, right? There's historically over the last five years or so, there's not a singular dominant force in the PAC 12, like Ohio state is in the big 10. Um, now Oregon just beat Ohio state. Maybe there yeah, there's something. one that's not too far off. Yeah. But Oregon hasn't really won much in the last couple of years. They've right? threatened for national championships. They're seven and three against USC in the last decade. Yeah. That's pretty good. Okay. Okay. That is pretty good. That's pretty yeah. good. I didn't know that. I mean, Washington is always ranked kind of high. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I, I get, uh, like, I think no matter where you go, unless you're at an Ohio state or an Alabama or a Clemson, like you're going to have to go through, or I guess I was going to say Oklahoma, but they're leaving the big, the big 12, unless you're Ohio state, Alabama or Clemson, you're going to have to go through difficult teams, difficult conferences to get to win a conference championship and to get to, the college football playoffs. So I feel like him leaving, the only reason I think he would do it is if he really felt some sort of pressure of like underperforming at Penn State. If there have been talks of like, you know, you need to deliver a Big Ten championship or we're going to have to have conversations about your security, something like that. Um, but I just don't think that's there. I think he has like all the faith in the world from Sandy Barber and from, you know, the Penn State front office, whatever you want to call it. Like, I just don't see it. Yeah, I'm mean, like I touched on earlier. Like I think the advantages of SC are sort of over Penn State are sort of minor. Mm-hmm. It is a better opportunity for recruiting. Currently has a number one recruiting class. Right. He's recruited well at Penn State, and it's been hard to recruit at SC. And I think it's kind of hard to recruit for the Pac-12 in general. They're definitely considered the third at best of the Power Five conferences. Yes. Um, and they're often the one that gets left out of the college football playoff. 
They're usually yeah. the one on the outside looking in. Um, you know, lifestyle. Obviously, like LA has the weather, of course, but like I could very much see an argument where, like, if you're actually trying to raise a family, LA is not the best place to be. Yeah. Um, he gets paid like six million at Penn State, and unless they're gonna make him the highest paid coach in college football, you know, six million in Central Pennsylvania can go probably farther than eight in Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. Between That's taxes very true. and property value and cost of living. Um, brand name, again, slight edge. I, you probably, USC is a top five brand name in college football. Penn State's a top 10, I would mm-hmm. say. Whereas like you look at the advantages, all right, state of the program. I think Penn State, fairly significant advantage there. Yep. Right. Um, job security. Holy hell. What an advantage. <laughs> yes. The guy 100%. just went 0-5 last year and didn't even get put on the hot seat. USC just fired a guy who had twice as many wins and losses. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I completely After agree. one bad game. Yeah, I'm trying, uh, to look up, uh, I'm trying to look up if I can find like the, the value or the revenues of, of these schools to see how we compare. Um, yeah. Um, and he, I think Clay Helton was getting paid around the same or less than James Franklin. Um, I mean, conference, there's no, not even a competition between who's the better conference. Big 10 is out recruiting and outperforming the PAC 12, um, fan base, not even close. Yeah. I mean, we average like 40,000 more people per home game than USC does. USC averages like 65,000 fans a game in a stadium that fits like 78. So not only is it way less people than us, there's like more than 10,000 open seats a game at every, every single one of Yeah, people are games. at the beach. People are at the beach. They're hanging out. They don't care. People don't, just don't care that much. They just They're not don't. at the beach. They're just not at the football game. <laughs> it's, I hate it's to break it to you. World. It's a different world. It's not it's the a beach. Different world. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. You're right. You're an LA guy. I get it. Um, yeah, I just, I just don't see it happening. Um, and like he said, he, he said he's going to you know, discuss with the leadership council. I saw a lot of people on Twitter talking like, oh, he's discussing with leadership so he can, you know, finagle a raise and go for a raise. Maybe. Leadership, yeah, but the leadership council is players. Like, I don't think people understand that. Okay. The leadership council is a group of players that he appoints every year. Um, so it's like you have your captains, but then you also have a larger group that's the leadership council. I took that as him saying, I'm going to discuss this with my team, make sure they know I'm not going anywhere. That's all I care about. I'm not going to comment that I'm publicly. So, like, I, I just don't see it. The really optimist in, in me was like, Okay, what he's going to do, I, and that's what I figured it was like the team captains. Yeah. That he would talk to the team captains, be like, hey, I'm not going anywhere, but I'm not going to say that publicly because it's not good for my money. But, yeah, you know, basically. Let the guys know. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> like, what, I, I, don't think there's, I don't think anyone, like, there's no smoke screen here. Everyone knows that's the case. Sandy Barber knows that's the case. <laughs> you know, Penn yeah. Street, like trustees yeah. knows that's the case. Like, what is he, is he going to talk to his players? Be like, what do you guys think I should leave? What do you think? Yeah, right. <laughs> Hey guys, stay, go, talk, leave you. Let's talk about the situation. Uh, hands up if you think I should leave. No, all right. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Let me know. Uh, like the, no, that's not going to happen. So I, I, I don't think he's leaving. I think the only real reason he would ever leave is if we were somewhat on a downswing, recruiting was was tanking, and there was some real real heat around his seat of like, hey, you might get fired in the next year if if you don't bring home a championship. If that were the case. Then yeah, maybe you do it. Job offers. True, but but I mean that <laughs> happens that happens all the time, right? Of, of yeah. just like name value, and if he had an opportunity, to, or maybe even if he's reading the tea leaves and saying like, "Hey, 
in two or three years, they might be, you know, if I don't bring something home, they might be looking to fire me. Maybe you want to give yourself a fresh start and, and, you know, kind of start over that clock of like, all right, now I bought myself some time. Um, maybe I could see that, but he's not in that position. Like he's just not, he's got job security. He's got the money. He's got recruiting. He's, he's got multiple 10 win seasons. Like he's doing what he has to do. And if you really want to make the argument that like, Oh, he wants to get away from Ohio state and have an easier walk to the playoffs. Like, I just don't believe it. I just don't believe it. Yeah. And I just don't see him like, you, you got to remember he's a football coach. He's a competitor. He's not trying to just get to the playoff. He's trying to win the playoff. Yeah. And if you're trying to avoid Ohio state, what, what do you think you're going <laughs> to, it's just going to be easier when you get there. Core <laughs> value. Number one, compete in everything you do. Yeah. And like, I, I have seen some, some dumb arguments. Like I saw one person say the academics at USC is way better, which aside from being like, not really true is also, like, what is he getting a degree? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> he gives a shit. <laughs> no, this is what people love to talk about. I mean, it's, it's been one day and I've already seen it's uh, Luke Fickle's job to turn down from Cincinnati. I've now seen Eric Bieniemy, the chief's offensive coordinator. It's his job to turn down. Uh, obviously the urban Meyer, Meyer rumors are hilarious. No. He got blown out. He got blown out in his first game as an NFL head coach. I guess not blown out. They made it a little bit respectful at the end. Like, there's going to be rumors. His name's going to be involved because he is a top coach at a borderline top-tier program, right? Like, no one's saying Ryan Day is going to leave. No one's saying Nick Saban's going to leave. No one's saying Dabo Sweeney's going to leave because they are solidified top head coaches. Franklin is in that tier two, and that's what it comes down to. He's in that tier two, wanting to get to tier one, and people are going to make the argument that USC gives him the opportunity to do that. I don't agree with it. I don't believe it. James Franklin is staying at Penn State. Dabo Swinney is another great example of why I don't think he's leaving, because the other big argument here is that, like, oh, it's the market. Like, he'll be so much more famous if he's at USC. I mean, only if he's winning national championships. Yes, (laughs) yes, exactly. What do you think? You think Clemson was a hotbed of college football market before Dabo Swinney got there? No. The only famous college coaches are the four guys who win everything. Yeah. Go, go up to an average, average person on the street. Ask them to name four college football coaches outside of their conference. They probably can't do it. Yeah. yeah. Even just a I casual agree. college football fan. I completely agree. Um... I don't think he's going anywhere. It's, it's going to be speculation like it is every year. We'll talk about it. Maybe he'll get himself a raise, but I, I just, I think Franklin really is the guy until, until performance like forces it out. Like, I don't think he's a guy that's going to leave on his own just because like, I don't think he, I don't think there's an opportunity that he values more. Like I think he loves what he does. I think he loves where he is. And as long as he's performing and as long as he's doing well and has that, that security that he can run his program, like I just don't see it. Yeah. All right, rant over, uh, episode over. This is your Ball State recap, 44-13, to 13, uh, Penn State Nitty Lines, 2-0, number 10 in the AP poll, getting ready to take on Auburn at home, under the lights, wide out, Saturday night, get ready for it. We will have a preview episode coming out one day after this episode. So if you're listening to this, guess what? There's one more coming. Stay tuned. We are.